God is good, and God wants to reignite his church. We need fresh fire. Amen? So we're going to go to the word of God. God. Stand to your feet, please. And if you don't uh, have a Bible, but you'd like to follow along, Uversion app is a good one for on your smart device to check out, and that will help you kind of follow the outline for, tonight, for today. And here's what Daniel wrote. Just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling, to my hands and knees. An amazing statement he's making here. Now, who's Daniel? Daniel was a captive young man taken by the Babylonian Empire because of his abilities and skill sets and brought back from Israel into the empire of the Babylonians. And uh, some people want to debate uh, and, and, and kind of argue the issue whether or not churches should have any involvement in the political realm. Well, read Daniel. He was highly involved in the political realm. He was second in command in the, in the Babylonian Empire under three different kings, all of which said, got to have this guy next to us because this guy can steady the ship, right? So I believe it's very important. Our founders understood this. Somewhere we lost our way with this, and we think we have no business entering into the political matters when those matters are evil and contrary to the word of God the church should be the first to speak up and say, no, that's not what God wants us to do or how he wants us to live. So Daniel is a great study in this kind of leadership. Joseph is another one because similarly, he ended up being second in command to a world power that ruled the world at that time in the Egyptian empire and uh, made no bones about serving God as did Daniel and putting those principles first in every decision that he made and made a difference even among heathen nations because they recognized that the spirit of the living God was in these men. Amen? Amen. So, Father, I'm challenged and moved by your word. You've designed us to be victorious, and we're going to see your manifested glory. It's happening even as we speak. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. And so listen to this man of God as he's teaching us and speaking to us. He said that God chose to come to him because God knew Daniel would welcome his presence. Daniel, from young boyhood, about 18 years of age, maybe 17 or 18 years, a very young guy, was taken captive out of Israel into the Babylonian Empire. And uh, some say it was about 14 years of age, and probably that's even a closer number to what we can guess. Because he's in late in the story, he's in his mid-80s, and he's longing to go back to Israel. And all these years, he has served God faithfully. I told my wife, I want to meet his parents. What they put in this kid was so incredible that standing in the middle of threat of life and threat under a king who on his whim could have Daniel put to death, he never backed off from his faith in God. It's an amazing story. He knew when God wanted to meet with him that he was a candidate for that meeting because Daniel had an open heart to hear 
the presence and the word of the Lord. And then he said that the Lord came with such intensity, so awesome was his presence, it drove me to the ground and drove me to pray and drove me to seek his face. This is exactly what has to happen when we say God is touching our lives, making us his church. We need to be spending time face down before the Lord. It puts us on our knees, seeking the face of God, recognizing he's a holy God. I'll never forget when I was a young man and we had a group in our church and we would sing various places. One of the great old songs we would sing is I bowed on my knees and cried, holy, because he's a holy God. Amen? And why does God choose to touch certain people like this? Others just seem to go on their way without having never an experience like this. And then those touched by God become men and women of prayer and seekers after God, and they pursue more of the Lord, not less. They don't take those moments to say, oh, I'll get the high watermark. I don't need any more from the Lord. They just it just whets their appetite for more. They walk an unusual walk. And why did God touch Daniel in such a supernatural way? What happened there? There were other godly men around him. They were serving the Lord, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they had their own specific testimonies of their faithfulness to the Lord, for sure. There were 40,000 people ready to go back to Israel during the time they were getting ready to look at rebuilding the temple. These were God-fearing people. Among them were priests who were living their faith, although they were living in Babylon. They were righteous in the way that they conducted themselves. Why did God select this one man and lay his hand on him and touched him like he touched Daniel? Why did Daniel hear and see spiritual things no one else was seeing and no one else was hearing? Listen to this. On April 23rd, as I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River, I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning, and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze, and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. This is the same revelation of Jesus Christ that was given to John in Revelation chapter 1, verses 13 to 15. This is Jesus. Jesus shows up there at the Tigris River in Babylon. Daniel's given a revelation of the person of Jesus Christ. And Daniel hears the voice of Jesus very clearly. And he said, I heard his voice roaring. It wasn't a whisper, but he said, I heard the roaring sound of the voice of Jesus. Man, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen? And the Lord revealed himself for a specific reason. When God gets ready to reveal himself to this generation, listen, he's going to find people who will be responsive to the presence of the Holy Spirit. And this, this, this has something to do with destiny and purpose and what it is God has for us, we, his people, called his church. It's one part to understand we have a purpose. The other part is to be a person who responds to the Spirit of the Lord. He has an openness to hear 
the urgings and the callings of the Spirit of the Lord, a sensitivity to what the Holy Spirit is trying to do. A man who prayed three times a day. Well, Pastor, I'm too busy to do that. You're not as busy as Daniel was. Not only was he second in command of the Babylonian Empire, he oversaw all the governors of all the provinces of the entire empire. Okay, this was a busy guy, okay, but he never stopped seeking the face of the Lord. Three times a day, he would not fail to go see the face of the Lord. Amen? And so it says here, he's walking along the Tiberus River, and Christ comes and reveals himself. With a loud voice, he speaks to Daniel. He receives a word from the Lord because God found a man that would carry a message to his people that things were going to start to turn in the right direction. And God said he searched the whole earth to find a man who would stand in the gap. He found one in Daniel. Amen? He found Daniel who would make the people understand what was going to befall them in this near the end of their time being out of Israel. He had a prophetic word even for us in our day that still stands applicable to the church in our day. God wanted to show the people what he was doing, why he was doing it, and what was going to come. A man under the anointing of the Spirit of God, touched by the hand of God, should know the times in which we dwell. It says the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. We need clear voices today in giving us direction as a people, not only of the church, but as the people of God that serve in this nation of ours. Now it says, And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. So this was an incredible moment, not only for Daniel, but for all that were with him. Now, who were those people? We don't know exactly who these men were. They could have been Babylonian officials. They could have been his bodyguards. Remember, he's second in command. He's got an entourage with him everywhere he goes. Daniel was the prime minister of Babylon, yet he was a believer firmly and followed the precepts of God's word that was drilled into him from childhood. Aren't you grateful if you had the privilege of being raised in a Christian home by Christian parents? The greatest gift you can give your children is to live this out in front of them. Amen? It's the greatest gift. I look here on the front row and I see Ginger Martin back in church. You were blessed, Keith, to be raised, right? Because generations have been blessed because families have been raising their children to serve and honor the Lord. It's amazing, isn't it, what happens when we start putting into our children the precepts of God's Word. That's what happened to Daniel. And here he is now, elevated to the highest possible position that anyone could ever imagine happening, to the jealousy of all those that were non-Jews who had positions ahead of him, yet Daniel is promoted above all of them. Perhaps there were some godly Israelites 
on that journey with Daniel that day. But none of them saw anything. Yet they were running and they were hiding. Why? Because God was laying hold of a man. God was putting his hand on him. God was filling Daniel so God could have a voice in the chaotic times in which he lived. And we're living in chaotic times as well. A person on whom God could lay his hand. Now, what an awesome thing when God's presence descends on your life. How many have had that experience where the awesome presence of God descends on your life? I'll never forget the night when God's presence came down in an unusual way on my life. And for three hours, I lay on the floor at the altar of our church as God put his hand on my life. I spoke in a heavenly language I'd never learned. I caught a vision of Jesus and his purpose for my life. I was 11 years old, and that needs to happen to your children. And parents, you need to be pouring that into your kids. So here's Daniel trembling under the power of God. Others were around, but those were not in sync, and they ran home, it says. When God manifests in our lives, and those seeking his face and his presence and asking him, for this last day outpouring, it's an awesome thing as God begins to respond and his presence begins to manifest. When the presence of God moves in, man will either surrender or he will run. It's been that way since this was written. I've watched it through the years. When God's presence begins to manifest, either they surrender to the Lord or they're heading for the doors. People have run away from the church when the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes on the spiritual leadership and gives that leader an insight and authority to speak the truth of God's word that has impact. It's awesome when God begins to lay his hand on his people, when God's presence fills individuals, the church of Jesus Christ, when God envelops a man or a woman with his spirit, it's transformational, absolutely but you can't live off of your initial touch. And too many try to do that. You see, whether you're competing in the Olympics or in the Derby, it's great what you've done, but you've got to stay sharp for today. Right? The Holy Spirit keeps returning to those who have an open heart. He comes to those he knows will respond to his stirrings and the awakening of his presence. Because before God moves you to a new level in him, he has to touch us again with a special touch of his presence. We need more than one moment at an altar or one evening at an altar in the presence of the Lord. So what was there about Daniel out of all of those that were still serving God? Why did God touch Moses and Joshua and Samuel and David and kings and priests and prophets throughout history? Why did he target these? What did he see in them? Was it just sheer purpose, sheer kind of prerogative of God to choose to do that uh, uniquely for those specific people? Why does God touch people today? And you see, men and women today touched by God, they're focused a little differently. There's an intensity about them. They recognize the seriousness of the weight that they carry. They're ordinary people, yes, 
They're human, yes. They're subject to human mistakes, yes. But something supernatural is, is moving in them that keeps them heading in that direction. They're able to speak out of the heart of God what God is trying to tell us. How and why does God do that? So that burns in my soul because I say, Father, I want what others have had that have come before me. I want the same kind of presence and power and anointing of the Holy Spirit they carried when they served you. I want you to touch my life. I want a fresh new touch. I want to know what your desire is to do and what your purposes are for our people and our church because I refuse to stand in this pulpit and preach death. I've come to preach life. I'm not just going to sit and read what dead men have already learned, although I can learn something from them, but I want my own revelation of Jesus Christ. I'm not here to just preach a sermon on a Sunday. That's not what I'm called to do. I want God's touch because his heart is bursting with a desire to speak to our generation. He's searching for people who will be his oracles in this latter day. All God lacks are voices, people that will speak. He's ready to speak, bursting with a desire to send a message to the church today, to bring living word that comes against the gates of hell, against the spirit of fear, against hypocrisy in the church, because only his word can drive those out, only his word. And the Father is desperately trying to speak to this generation because this generation has been in a famine. Now we've had more TV programming, more live streaming, more capabilities at our fingertips to get the gospel out than perhaps ever in history. But there's been a famine of truth in God's word and we need to have the table set full of the word of the living God every time we gather with political correctness and cowardice in the pulpits of America. We have not delivered what God has wanted us to deliver. Our nation isn't receiving too much from many pulpits in our country today because they are seldom hearing a word from the Lord. Little spiritual authority being preached from the pulpit. And Christian television, while we're thankful for all the places it can go today, and there are many worthwhile ministries and programs to look at and enjoy, some of them you just kind of shake your head and go, wow, okay. Where are the spokespeople for God? Where are the voices of the Lord? Now another generation left completely deprived of God's absolutes because the culture, public education, and the church have failed them and not equipped them to handle the wave that has hit us in the last two years. We need a word from heaven. We need God to speak to us. Remember immediately after 9-11? Wow, churches really got full. You remember how many extra people started showing up for church? And, uh, you know, they were, they were looking for answers. They were making their way out of fear, I think, to find God in their lives. And people started saying prayers. I didn't say praying prayers. 
they started saying prayers. And, you know, they opened every baseball game, football game, every session of Congress with some saying about God. They were trying to kind of bring God back into the mix. God got popular there for about two months after 9-11. Before you ordered your beer, you said, God bless America. That's what was going on all over the place, right? The first Sunday after our lockdown that we were coming back into the building in church, wow, we had this great surge of everybody going, more of the Lord, right? Now the latest poll, church attendance is in a lower place in American history than we've ever known it to be. It's 44% down in attendance. That's an incredible number when you think about that. Giving is also equally, because attendance and giving go together, so to speak, is, is about 43% down. And the worst places for the drop in attendance are along the southwest and west coasts of our nation. This part of the country has suffered the worst of the impact in terms of dropping in church attendance and dropping, and dropping in church giving. And the least impacted have been the south and southeast, uh, where people are still saying, you know what, we're not buying this stuff. We're going to go back to the house of the Lord, and we're going to worship God because it's our right to do it in the United States of America. Right? So I, I've got the stats. I've got them all in print, all, all printed out. There it is in living color. This is what's happened to the church in the last two years. But God's about to change all this. I said, God is about to change all of this. His church is awakening. Or all people are starting to shake their head. What has just been happening to us? Why in the world have we been permitting all this stuff to go on? Uh, week after week, changing almost daily, sometimes almost hourly, listening to the highest paid employee of the United States of America keep changing his story almost every time he makes an appearance on TV. And now with all the mandates and the lockdowns that have been pressured on this nation for two years almost, and they find out now with Johns, Johns Hopkins Medical Center coming out with an intensive, extensive report that it didn't do any good to put those masks on. I mean, it was minuscule how much it impacted the culture. It would, there was really no positive outcome as a result of those mandates. Look, God's about to change this. Church people are starting to wake up. And folks, I cannot say it more loudly and clearly, wake up. Amen. His awakening, spirit touched, set on fire with a word from heaven. His word will come against all of this flesh stuff. Now look at this guy, Daniel. He's why at the beginning of every year we start with a 21-day fast, the Daniel fast. I've studied Daniel. I've done an extensive teaching on Daniel. Allow me to show you why God touched this guy and why he made him his spokesperson. First, Daniel was a man of intense focus in his prayer. He never stopped seeking the face of God. He got revelations when no one else could get them. Never laid back, never, well, you know, whatever happens, happens attitude. He prayed with intensity. God responds to those individuals who are given to prayer. Those who are willing to pray through until there's an answer, until they've touched heaven, who are willing to discipline themselves, 
It's called in the word, setting your heart. Setting your heart. You're directed in the, in, in the direction of God, his word, and everything about you in your human being is focused to absorb all that God has for you, or you can call it posturing your heart. Now, while I was speaking, praying, and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication, which means this got really intense before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, praying in the direction of Israel and Jerusalem. He wasn't praying about the sins of Babylon. He wasn't praying about all the misdeeds that were going on in this heathen culture. He was praying about the sins of God's people, his own sins. He was confessing their sins and his own. As I was praying, this gets God's attention. Gabriel, whom I'd seen in the earlier vision, came swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice. And he explained to me, Daniel, I've come here to give you insight and understanding. I'm going to reveal, now, Gabriel of the three archangels that were created. Gabriel is the messenger angel who carries the word of God. The word of God literally flows out of every pore of his being. He is the messenger archangel that the word of God dwells in, and he carries that word to wherever he's taking that message. Mary in the New Testament before the birth, the announcement of the birth of Jesus. And he said, Gabriel gave me a word from heaven. He said, while I was praying, while I was seeking God, while I was in intense prayer, I was informed. I got my word. His hand touched me. I was brought to my knees. And where did Daniel get this skill and wisdom to have such favor in Babylon? Why, of all the people that filled the Babylonian empire that he could have drawn from, the kings could have accessed, why was it Daniel? Why did he have such favor? Where did he have this prophetic word from God placed in his heart? How was it when the king needed answers, he'd go get Daniel, right? Did he get it from the learning institutions of his time? No. They couldn't even interpret dreams. The astrologers had no answers for the king of Babylon. He didn't get it from their higher learning institutions, although the Babylonian Empire had the most educated people of all the nations on the planet of that day. He didn't get it from a Bible college because there were none existing that we know of in Babylon, nor from any books that he was reading. Listen, while Daniel was speaking in prayer, God informed him, right? He had such influence in the Babylonian Empire that eventually the kings that came or the astrologers that came from the Far East, from the Babylonian Empire, to seek the baby Jesus had carried with them the residual messages that Daniel had left with them about one day Messiah will be born and there will be signs in the heaven. They were always looking for that ever since Daniel had reigned during the time of the Babylonian Empire, and that's, that's the influence Daniel left in that empire. And it says, he explained to me, Daniel, I've come to give you insight and understanding. What kind of praying does it take to discern a word from the throne of God? Just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, you're very precious to God. 
So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up, still trembling. <laughs> Can you understand why? Yeah, any of us, all of us would be trembling, unable to stand. That's why these angels always kind of preface their remarks with, don't be afraid, okay? Because they're intimidating. They are awesome in strength and in power. And when he said this to me, I stood up still trembling. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. Let that give you some confidence. When you're a praying person and you're a humbled heart before God, listen, your prayers are going to get heard. I've come to answer your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. If you don't think there's a war going on around you, man, you need to start studying the word of God. There's a constant battle in the heavenlies all around us between the kingdom of our God and the angels of the Lord, the warriors of the Lord, and the enemy forces that are doing everything they can to neutralize the church of Jesus. 21 days, he said, we were engaged in a fight. Then Michael, one of the other archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now, Michael is the warrior angel. He commands all the legions of angels that go to war on behalf of God. And I'm here, he said, to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. He said that while he was praying and seeking the face of God, God granted him skills, gave him understanding, and a word from the Lord. He received it in that experience. He didn't get it from somewhere else. It didn't come out of his Bible study experiences. See, you can be one who makes Calvary Christian Center your home church. You can be seated here today. You can be watching from your screen today. But you need a word from God for your children, for your family, for your finances, about your health, about your lost family and friends. You aren't going to get it just listening to preachers on screens or even in pulpits in person. No matter how anointed I am here speaking to you today, we won't get our word, our answer, our understanding, our skill set until we get on our knees in our secret closet and get desperate before the Lord. And when we do, God will hear us and God will respond to us. And Gabriel told Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand, when we discerned in your heart that you wanted to know what you needed to know to do what it was you were assigned to do. And you say, as Daniel said, Father, I don't want to live in confusion. I don't want to watch this program, and they're telling me one thing one hour, and two hours later they're changing their story. I don't want to live in the confusion that our culture is living in right now, and they're so on edge and so out of balance and out of sync that they're scared to go anywhere except, of course, the grocery store. They're always there. And, of course, the big box stores, they're always there, but scared to go anywhere else. I, I, I'm not going to live under this spirit of fear any longer. I'm not going to live under that kind of a gun. There is a discipline to this. There's humility and fasting that you need to add to that. 
Because when God sees you posture yourself with that kind of intensity, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. And the posture of this man's heart. Here is testimony. When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three whole weeks. My heart was heavy. I was in sorrow. All that time, I had eaten no rich food. No meat or wine crossed my lips. I put aside specific things so that somehow I could have clarity in hearing what it was I needed to hear from you. So second, Daniel humbled himself. Do you want to hear from God? Do you need some answers? Do you want clarity? Do you want stability? Do you want to know that you know that you know? Do you want us collectively to go to our place of God-given destiny to become the fulfillment of the vision that God has given to us? Do you desire a transformation in your life and in your home and how you do life? Are you sick of abusive elected officials and bureaucrats always dictating what you should and shouldn't do? You've tried to accommodate in your own strength, but I don't know about you, but I'm fed up. Aren't you fed up? I'm fed up. I'm fed up with inflation. I'm fed up with high gasoline prices. I'm fed up with shortages. I'm fed up with liars who are leaders and tyranny that's going on all around us. I'm fed up with some of the crazy stuff that I'm watching going on in our culture and looking to strip away from us the rights and privileges that God ordained that we had. These are not government-given rights They are given by God himself, and our fathers wrote them into our documents because they are God-given rights. That's what's being tampered with here. How many are tired and fed up with mandates telling you what you should and shouldn't do? Right? Daniel said, God, uh uh-uh. We can't have this continue among your people. He's praying now about his own people. We've tried in our strength. We've tried to be accommodating. Now we're going to go God's way. Okay? Prayer and fasting. It's worth it to hear from God. And regularly seeking God, praying, having discipline, humbling ourselves, setting our hearts so we can obtain divine understanding. We need a word from the Lord. And Daniel said, God, I'm not going to leave you until I've gained understanding. My heart is heavy. For three weeks, I've been pressing, pushing, wondering, when's my answer going to come? I have got to know. 21 days of seeking a fresh touch from God, a fresh word with an attitude of gratitude, praying three times a day, seeking the face of God, cultivating an attitude of posture toward the Lord of humility, of becoming God conscious, of disciplining his diet, of turning off screens for a period of time, fasting, not just foods, but any overdone behavior that needs to come off the table. You want your kids born again. How many want your family saved and going to heaven? right? Do we, do we want to see the next generation spiritually engaged, full of the Holy Spirit, at these altars, seeking the face of God, 
asking him for direction. Do you want healing in your body? Do you want the supernatural to take place? Do you want to see restoration, not only of your life and of your family, but of our entire culture? Do you need a financial breakthrough? Do you want to see a national spiritual awakening? Does anybody want that to happen? Amen. I do. I'm pressing for that. And if we've ever prayed for Calvary Christian Center, now is the time because the remnant of God is sick and tired of dead, dry services. God's given us a dream to be wet with the presence of God, to carry that to the facility that God wants us to rebuild on our property and to so saturate that place with the presence of God and so create a learning center where people can be trained and, and directed in ways that now we don't always have access to because we're short on some of the media stuff that we can do here because we're limited in some of the capabilities we have to open up doors of unlimited capability to be able to have people from all over the community gather for coffee and study the Word of God because I promise you one thing in that new facility... We're going to have better coffee than Starbucks. <laughs> way better. Way better. I said way better coffee than Starbucks. Now, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Are you trying to hurt them? No, I'm not trying to hurt anybody. you got to remember how I was raised. Every night after dinner, my mom brewed my dad a small pot of espresso. Every night. Now, many people think, well, when you drink coffee, you know, like that, you're going to stay up all night. No, 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 no. No. You see, the darker the roast, the less caffeine. Tastes stronger, but there's less caffeine in it because it's burned away. The greener the bean, the more caffeine. Hmm. So I always wonder, my dad drink a pot of coffee, and go to sleep, take a nap for an hour. How do you do that, right? Well, so I was a little kid. I went over and let me get, let me taste some of this. That's pretty smooth. It wasn't bitter. So we're going to have good coffee in our bistro, in our new facility. It's going to be good stuff, right? People are going to want to come there, not only for the coffee, but for the spiritual atmosphere we're going to create in that bistro, Right? We're going to be open. That campus will have something going on seven days a week. And it's going to be a community center the likes of which has never been. Education is going to be a high priority. Students and children are going to be the focus of what we do the most because it's the next, the ones coming after us that we need to be investing in, our children and our students, because they're the ones that are going to take the reins of the church and push this thing forward in the kingdom of God. We need them full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Word of God. We want a place that's full of the anointing of the Holy Spirit when we go onto that new campus. Amen? We need the release of His power to do what we've been called to do, to carry the message to our culture, to carry it in power and not in being timid about, about just sharing Jesus as so many seem to be. If we were not as timid as we've been, God knows where we would be today. We need to be emboldened by the presence of God. 
because we've heard his voice so clearly, it just leaps out of us. We can't help but talk about him. When Daniel got desperate in his prayer, God purged his lips. When God truly touches our lives, the first thing he's going to do, if he's going to speak through us, he will purge our lips. Then the one who looked like a man touched my lips, and I opened my mouth, and I began to speak. And God will loose your tongue to speak his truth and without intimidation and fearlessly and boldly talk about the love and the mercy and the goodness of a God who's given his son's life on the behalf of the person you're speaking to. And then you recall the story of Isaiah the prophet. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell among a people of unclean lips. Because of his hunger and his intensity and his honesty and humility before God, an angel took a coal from the fire off of God's altar, and with it he touched Isaiah's lips and said, I sanctify your tongue. And God will now speak through you. Listen to Jeremiah. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, Look, I put my words in your mouth. That's what we need to be speaking today, church. We need to be speaking the word of God. And if we don't know the word of God and we haven't opened our hearts to the word of God, you are going to battle without a weapon. Because without a, the sword of the Spirit... Knowing God's word and being able to apply it, you are really in a mess because the enemy is not going to fear you if you can't wield that weapon. I put my words in your mouth. Today, I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. And if there's any salt in us, and light in us, there's impact. We are going to be impact players when we're filled with the Word and the Spirit of the living God. Everywhere we go, there's going to be a reaction of some kind. Either there's going to be people flooding into the kingdom or people running in the other direction. This is bigger and better than all of our military forces can do. As wonderful as they are, and you know I have the highest regard for people who put on the, the, the uniform of the United States and serve our country. But we have weapons more powerful than any military. And with them, we tear down strongholds and we have power to build Christ's kingdom. Amen? Power is about to be released to his church. Why? Because we've been fasting, we've been praying, and God has begun to touch our mouths and put a word in us and we cannot hold it back. We've got to speak up and speak out. And listen, we will speak healing. We will speak our children's salvation. We will speak all around our nation about turnaround and renewal and reformation. We speak hope and we cancel fear and we blot out the work of the adversary in our culture. Because when he touches our mouths, he puts his word in our mouths and we speak I will put my words in your mouths. And if we want to be God's people, we must have God's word in our mouths. He touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and spoke. In verse 18, one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. 
Olympic athletes spend 10, 12 hours a day, seven days a week. They practice, they practice, they practice. And when people have their five minutes of devotions, they think they've done God a favor. Have you impressed God? Thank you. Let me have a good day. Can't spend 20 minutes at a prayer meeting, 30 minutes at a prayer meeting. Daniel was a busy man. He had the weight of the empire on his shoulders, and the king was the king, three kings that he served under were relying on him to give them the right answers. Okay? Daniel was busy. He had great demands on his time, counseling, directing, second in command of the greatest power on the planet in Babylon, yet he set his heart to seek God. Where do you think he got the answers that he was able to give them? Out of a book or out of his own wisdom? No. He got them from the Lord's presence. And I, Daniel, fainted and was sick for days. Afterward, I rose and went about the king's business. I was astonished by the vision. No one understood it because he had to be there, so to speak, literally, right? Daniel was doing his business, and he's living with this astonishment of what God is revealing to him. God, what are you doing in my life? Why are you telling me this stuff? What are you saying to me? God was touching him and giving him such a burden for his people. He's been touched. He's anointed. He carried the burden of the church of his day. He looked upon the people of Israel and why they were in the state they were in why they were in the messes they were in, why they were being held captive as slaves, why, why they lost their homeland, why they lost their temple, why they lost their holy city. He's got a burden for the needs of his people. They're spiritually bereft of any walk with God, and he's doing the king's business. He's listening to the emperor give him direction and asking him questions for wisdom and knowledge, and he's doing the king's business He's going about his job. He's carrying out his responsibilities so well that all three kings, when, when they would knock somebody out of position, the next king would still want Daniel instead of ridding, ridding the, the staff of everybody from the previous administration. No, we're keeping Daniel. Daniel knows what he's talking about. So this guy had such a load on his shoulders going about his job. He's not thinking about how many chariots that we have to go to war not thinking about the agenda for the day or how big the army is or all the negotiations he's got to do among all the provinces. He said, I was astonished. I was overwhelmed by the burden that I carried for my people. God's searching for leadership today, spiritual leadership, not speaking a dead letter, but a life-giving word having little impact in many cases. No, we are life givers. Everywhere we go, we should leave life and hope, not fear, in the lives of people we in, in, encounter. Church, when we speak in our homes, anywhere in our community, on the job, in the church, it must begin with the cry, God, change me. Change us. I'm unsatisfied where I am. I am not happy or pleased where I am in my condition. Calvary, this is a time of self-examination. We have had to deep, go down and dig deeply 
into who we are, what our motives are, why we do what we do. When we lose ministers from our pulpits and leaving us with a very thin bench because so many have walked away simply because the pressures were so intense, they said, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to face this every day. And they've resigned their positions and resigned their credentials and walked away from their supposed calling. And we're calling it the great resignation, looking at what it's done, how it's decimated so many in the church today in leadership. No, we've got to self-examine. If anything that this should have caused among us is a self-examination of why we, who we are, what we do, and how we do it, and why we do what we do, because listen, we need to get a hold of God and say, I will not let you go. I am not going to stop pursuing you until we see a national turnaround, until I'm not going to let you go, until my entire family is born again. I remember my mom knew how to pray those kind of prayers. She was intense, and she was directed, and she wanted every one of her sisters and brothers to know Jesus personally and make him their Savior, and she did not let up until every one of them did that and yielded to the Lord because she prayed the Holy Spirit conviction on every single one of them. I will not let you go until my family is saved. I don't care what other Christians do. I don't care what the culture is doing. Father, you've got your hand on my life. Your call is on me to come up and come out. I will seek your face. I'm making a commitment to press in and know you more deeply than I've ever known you before. That's the heart of Daniel. And third, Daniel was touched because he grieved over the spiritual decline of God's people and in the culture. He knew the spiritual temperature was very low among his people. That's why they were where they were. Because God told them, if you don't stop pursuing other gods and neglecting me, there's going to be a price to pay and a consequence to this. And folks, we're at that crossroads in the United States of America. We need to press in and get hold of God because I don't want to think about the consequences that will come upon us because God will not spare us any more than he spared his own, his chosen. If we decide we're not going to pursue the Lord, we're just going to go along with whatever the culture tells us is okay to do anymore. No. So Daniel was touched. He was burdened. He pressed in. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food. No meat or wine came across my mouth. There are many people today who will fill churches. Many, many, many people. And, and they are good people. Many of them are godly people. They're blessed. They have a great fellowship in their church. People of some conviction but they don't grieve over the sins of our nation, nor do they grieve over the sins of the church. They're not troubled by it. They're not disturbed by it. They're not motivated by what they're watching and seeing and experiencing. In some cases, have been numbed to what's going on around them. Daniel was grieving with God's heart to intervene. They cause a national spiritual restoration. That's the movement that began in the heart of Daniel that swept throughout all the Israelis that were in captivity that got them back to their homeland. You see Daniel praying, giving thanks, making supplication. He's fasting. He's digging in. 
He, he's been blessed and prospered in Babylon. He could have gotten very comfortable. His income was at all-time highs. I mean, he had privileges. He had people serving him. There wasn't anything he didn't need at his fingertips. He had been promoted time and again. And he's been miraculously delivered out of the den of lions until the king is, did your God save you like you thought he would? Yes, he did. They haven't touched me. And the king goes and says, he says, now gather all the people that put Daniel in that position and throw them into the den of lions. And Daniel comes out of the den of lions untouched. He said, because my God sent an angel and shut the lions' mouths. When you've got the favor of God, the enemy can't touch you. Amen? Thank the Lord. Thank God. He's miraculously delivered. In chapter 7, he's given this great vision and then he says, I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit, in my body, and the visions troubled me. They disturbed me. The nation was in captivity because they forgot the Lord. Now, they, 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 they checked the boxes. They still did the practices that were required of them, you know, so that the priests would check off the box for them. Well, you brought your sacrifice, and you did your, you did your duty, you showed up and you did what you were supposed to do, but they weren't, their hearts were not after the Lord. And so God knows that, folks. He knows when we're just checking boxes, and he knows when our hearts are sincerely after him. And God was revealing to him why they were living in bondage, why they were not living according to their God-given purpose, why they were now stuck in this position, not being able to fulfill the vision God had for them, and folks, that's the way God works. Well, some people say, well, Pastor, it's been a long time since you told us we're going to build over there on that property. Yes, it has. But, you know, God's timing is perfect. And I'm not going to get ahead of God. And I'm not going to get behind God. I don't want to do either one of those. I'm going to stay with God and stay in his time and do it his way. And when his people are ready, then God will open the door. Amen. When his people are ready and the awakening takes place, watch what God's going to do. Backsliding and idol worship had crept into God's house among his family. It got in under the radar. It came in slowly, and people began to drift away from their focus on the one true God, and they enjoyed themselves doing all kinds of other things that had consequences to them because they were not pleasing to God and they were sinful in the eyes of God. And God is grieved when we go against him and his will and his plan for our lives, and we kind of push him off center spot, and we just say, well, I'll check the box, and I'll see you then. But in the meantime, I'm doing life the way I want to do it. I'm going to do what I want to do today, my way. This is the way I feel I want to do it. No, God's not into that. God's saying, I'm not giving you a slice. I don't want you to take me as a slice of the pie. I'm the whole pie. I bleed into everything you do. I'm a part of everything you do. You wouldn't be breathing air if I didn't give you the privilege of breathing air today, God is saying. And basically, we belong to him. And we, we are servants of the Lord. We are here to honor God in all that we do, not just one day a week or one time during the slot that we designate during the week. So backsliding, idol worship, he's grieved by this. Not only is God grieved, now Daniel is feeling the grief that God has. And he goes to bed at night with God's purposes on his mind. 
and it's driving him, and it's pushing him. What do you go to bed with on your mind? What's on your mind when you lie down at night? I know what's on my mind. Did I do my best for you today? Was there anything else I could have done? Should I have done that differently? I know what's on my mind. What's on your mind when you lay down at night? How does God touch a man's life if he goes to bed every night full of fear, trepidation, concerned with what's going to happen tomorrow, or having filled his mind with garbage, the stuff he's been engaged in? How does God speak through corrupted lips? How does he get a word in edgewise? when our minds are filled with everything but him and his purpose? How does he speak through a defiled mind? He won't. When Daniel went to bed, what God showed him troubled him, burdened him, disturbed him. Daniel was given an open heaven because he sought the Lord, because he pressed in to the presence of God. He has an open heaven with a vision for the future, of God's people, and for the people that come after them, known as the church, affecting us even in our day. He is in the prophetic realm because God is speaking to him about his people. God sees his heart, his posture, it's set. God knows Daniel will never turn back. God knows Daniel's not going to be corrupted by the king. He will never become spiritually lazy He's not going to sit back and get on cruise control. He will be there when I need him to speak. Daniel will speak boldly on my behalf. And understand the burdened heart your pastor carries today. I'm going up into his presence. I'm coming out of his presence. I'm seeking him until I've heard what I need to hear more than I've heard, than I've ever heard in my past. I want more to hear. And here's what Daniel saw. Wicked strongholds over his city crashing down. Every evil, listen, every evil influence destroyed. Because when you start praying like Daniel prayed, and you start loosing the archangel Michael and all the armies and the, the hosts of heaven, all the warriors that God has assembled, And they go to war in the heavenlies over a community, over a people, and they start beating down the enemy that has held us captive and held us under strongholds. Daniel saw those strongholds collapsing over Persia. He saw them collapsing over Israel, and he saw the purposes of God being victorious Wicked strongholds in the city coming down. Every influence that was evil destroyed. Spiritual restoration. God and his people having an open communication. The release of the Holy Spirit and the outpouring of the Spirit. He sees the last days and he's mourned because his people are still sleeping and they're not living in their destiny. And he says, God, give that to us today. Some today have closed their ears and hearts. To every prophetic word. They don't want to hear the prophetic because it troubles. It's troubling because it rocks you out of your comfort when you hear the prophetic. 
That's what prophecies do. It rocks you. It shocks you. It tells you it's not okay to be complacent. It's not okay to live like this. When was the last time you heard a preacher really get into the details of the second coming of Jesus Christ and what heaven is going to be like and what hell is going to be like? Because for many, they just want fun time in church. There's nothing wrong with having fun. Church, we should have a happy time. We have great fellowship, lots of fun, lots of laughs, lots of backslapping and, and encouraging and having a good old time with the brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God. But call, Paul calls it, in some places, people who have itching ears. Now, just make me feel okay. Tickle my ears. Don't tell me anything that's going to make me uncomfortable because I don't want to be uncomfortable. Don't get me out of my comfort zone. Don't push me to do stuff, you know, because I don't want to do anything but just show up and sit in church. Okay. Where's the grief over the lost in our community? I mean grief. Weeping for those who don't know Jesus. We stand on the brink of the end of days. When you feel bowed before the Lord and you feel and emulate his grief over the lost, because his heart grieves every time someone he's loved all the way to their last breath still refuses his mercy and falls into the pit of hell. He's grieved over that. And you carry, can carry grief even while you have a smile on your face. You're still burdened in your heart. We're not defeated. We are victors. But where is that constant concern over the condition of our society? Because that is the heart of God the condition of our culture. And God's speaking to you because he wants you to speak to others. He doesn't speak to us so we enjoy it ourselves. He's, we get that, but he's speaking to us so we can speak that to others. He depends on our voices. He's not sending an angel to come and do that work for us. If your family is going to be born again, it won't be because some angel showed up. The word says some people are not grieved. They're too busy parked on Fantasy Island with their screens while our culture is dying, blinded to the culture's needs while they munch on a bag of potato chips. God's touched Daniel because he looked around, he saw the plight of his nation now living in exile as captives, and he knew they were, going, they were could be the greatest that God intended for them to be his voice in their world, but now they're paralyzed because they failed to place God first. And Daniel's overburdened with this. So Daniel asked God, speak to me. Give me a word that will loose this. And he pressed in. He fasted. He prayed and confessed. And then at the end it says, God reveals his heart to those who cleanse their hearts. Daniel acknowledged his own sin and confessed. I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God, make confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. We have sinned and committed iniquity. We've done wickedly and rebelled even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. So he said, it's on us. We're here because it's on us. Daniel identified with the sins of his backslidden nation. He's very transparent. He wanted nothing to stand between God's purposes and their lives. And we can have a prayer journal. We can attend prayer meetings. But prayer without purity is powerless. 
The word of God is speaking today. It's a pure word through lips that have been purged. And when we get seriously intense before the Lord, then we begin to move into places God has for us. You're willing to seek a touch from God. He said, I fasted, I prayed, I sought, I sought the Lord. I disciplined myself. And at the moment he did that, the word records, God sent Gabriel to him with the answer. All hell tried to stop the word from appearing to us. All of hell will come against us when we attempt to pay the price because the enemy will not be pleased when we decide we're not staying here any longer. We're moving. Amen? There's a promise in this act of intensity in seeking God because we serve a God who loves to make promises and fulfill them. And when you fast and pray, you've got a promise. You seek God and pray, and you come to the master, Lord, I'm nothing, but I'm holding to your word. You made promises that if I seek you with all of my heart and all of my soul, I will find you. I will lay hold on God's promises for this last day restoration you want to pour out in the United States, and I will not let go until I see it with my own eyes. I'm asking you to keep your word. Okay, I'm ready to close here, but I just have one more thing I want to say. We can just go ahead and play, sweetie. Okay. I think about my friends who are special operators. The arduous training that they have. And we almost lost a whole bunch of them, a generation of them, because they were going to kick them out of the military because in good conscience some of them said, we're not taking vaccines. We're not taking Think about that. When the Afghani forces drove the Russians out of Afghanistan. And then we went in, they laughed and said, they're going to drive you out too. Well, they said, you're weak. But no, we sent our special operators in. And we drove the Taliban out of Afghanistan. And ISIS out of Afghanistan. And then we had leadership who decided that we were just going to walk away and not leave what we needed to leave in place to withstand Taliban returning. We didn't even tell them we're leaving Bagram. We'll see you. Here's all the stuff you need to defend yourself, and we're leaving a, a group of people here that will aid you and enable you to defend yourself. Just walked off, left still hundreds of Americans behind enemy lines. We've never done that in our history. But when there's special operators at work, you can take down all kinds of encampments, all kinds of strongholds. They're the most feared group of people on the planet. Why? Because of their past history. What is true in the physical is true in the spiritual. And here's what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. He's been raising up an army within the army, a Holy Spirit covert black ops special operators. Enrollment comes by the Holy Spirit touching your heart. David had these mighty warriors around him that he taught and trained how to fight, whose heart God had touched. And God stirred them. And in these special forces are the young, the middle-aged, and the elders. And in secret training, through intimacy with the Lord and his word, 
They're taught how to fight in the valleys, on mountains, anywhere and everywhere. We are feared in hell because when we are on fire with the word of God in us, we're feared by principalities and powers of darkness, feared because we have had a history of many victories and the tearing down of strongholds. These operators have endured pain and suffering and testing times. But all over the world, even in countries ruled by Islam, here in our own community as well, special operators are beginning to win some great victories. You'll hear some of that on the 27th prayer victories. And although God can use numbers, he chooses to use those who are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds because one of these praying fasting forces can chase a thousand and two of them can put 10,000 to flight. Our weapons are prayer, fasting, purity, and a clear word from the throne of God. And God is raising up his people of all ages even those who have been battle-weary but restored, and those who have had great experience in the trenches who will teach a new generation how to fight and how to win. Amen? And although the church has taken a hit from Satan, I want you to know it's not only the return that we're looking at, not the return of Jesus, though we are looking for that, the return of the church to be the church before the return of Jesus. I want you to know we have a clear word from the Lord. It's called arise. It's time for the church to arise and to be heard. You can make an acrostic out of that. We need the anointing. We need revelation. We need inspiration. We need sensitivity to the presence of God as to how to move. And we need endurance in the E word because we're going to have a battle on our hands, right? And when God has enabled us, even though we took a hit, there's a counterattack being birthed out of fasting and praying, and we will push back the gates of hell. He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God will present his son with a glorious church without spot. And nothing I can say to you will make you fall before the Lord in humility like Daniel. But it has to be something in each of our hearts, the desire to see the hand of God working in our circumstances. Ask him, give me that desire, Lord. What I don't have is now what I want. In full pursuit Come back to you, Lord, in full and completeness. But we must set our hearts toward the Lord. Amen. So let's stand. Let's ask God to help us to set our hearts toward the Lord. And for the church to arise. Arise. Thank you, Lord. And just as the same spirit that quickened the body of Jesus in that tomb after three days and three nights, God said, arise. And he rose. I believe I'm hearing a clear word from God to his church today. 
And I believe he's saying to his bride, arise, arise, get up, stand up, and be who you are and I've made you to be. Lift your hands and say, thank you, Lord. I want all you have for me. I want to be your church. I want to be your people. I want to hear from you. I need to see you at work in our culture. Folks, it's not going to be the government that fixes the messes we've got. They created them. It's going to be God's people, the church, that have the answers for this culture. There's no organization. There's no entity. There's no group that's going to fix it. They don't have the answers. We have the answer. It's God's word. Everything we need is in the word of God. So lift your hands and say, Lord, use us. Use me. Touch my mouth. Put a word in my mouth. Cleanse my heart. Set me in your direction, Lord. While eyes are closed for just a few moments, whether you're at home or you're in the room. If you've been living under the spirit of fear, dread, condemnation, failure, carrying a burden for un- because you don't know how to get forgiveness for the things that you participated in, the things you've done, decisions you've made. I offer you Jesus. He's the only remedy for our failures and our sin. And if you need him to forgive you, slip that hand straight up. Say, Lord, I need forgiveness today. Lord, I've been battling and weary under this load I've been carrying, and I want freedom today. Lift your hand. Lift your hand if that's you. Get it up really high. And hold it up until someone makes his way to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I pray this prayer with you. We're going to pray it aloud at home. You can pray with us as well. Say, Father, thank you for your son, Jesus. I failed you. I can't fix what I've done. But you did. You gave your son to die in my place and to bring me home. And today, I want to be a new creation. I want to be born again. I want a second chance. Forgive me. Help me to live for you as we go forward. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer at home, please immediately connect with us. You can call in, email us immediately. We'd like to give you some material to take with you. If you prayed that prayer here,